0: Good morning, Redeemer. Um, you know, as many weeks as we, as we have been doing this, it's not, um, it's still weird. It's just odd, um, set, definitely have not gotten used to it um, and am ready for these days to rapidly come to an end. Um, if you haven't been with us over the last several weeks, we've been working through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is um, a wisdom literature book. It's meant to kind of be read more topically than it is verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And so what we've done is we've just looking looking, at—looking is not a word. We have looked at topics um, through Proverbs, um, like money, like work, emotions, friendship, those type of things, through the lens of Proverbs, um, desiring to gain not just more knowledge or information, um, but wisdom, knowing that wisdom is defined in Scripture really as being skilled at living— and that wisdom is found in the embodiment of Jesus, that wisdom comes from God. It's not just the accumulation of more knowledge, but it's knowing how to take knowledge um, and the things that God has called us to and to live well. And so this morning, we're gonna look at um, the tongue or speech, um, as as Proverbs talks about It's one of the, the most prevalent Proverb topics that you're gonna find. And I wanna start with just two stories briefly. Um, the first being this, uh, I remember being in elementary school, and there was a play um, in, our, in our elementary choir that everyone had to have a part in, and you had to try out, and I remember uh, memorizing um, a poem, I think it was the Christmas story kind of poem, the night, or Twas the Night Before Christmas, um, to be specific, and having to present that in front of um, the choir teacher and a couple other folks that were helping, and as we're, we're doing this, Um, and and I've presented it, I remember later in the day overhearing them talking about my presentation. And keep in mind, I was probably third, fourth grade at this time, and their comments were, hey, great memorization, obviously can remember his lines, Um, but then they started making fun of my voice. Um, And uh, I I remember very specifically the comments that were made uh, of it being a little bit more nasally and just some things, and and they're just kind of having a conversation. Um, that I'm not meant to hear, but I hear it. Um, and because I'm talking about it now 30-something years later, obviously it stuck with me. Um, it, it marked me in a way that for years, I was um, very cautious and, and pretty embarrassed to ever have to talk in front of others. Um, it, it honestly made me think I was probably not called or meant to be a pastor, um, having to speak. And, and on, honestly, um, if you wanted to to quickly wound me, um, my voice is one of those things that, I, that still is, is just marked and scarred a little bit by words that were never meant to be heard by me, right? And I think if we're honest, most of us have some stories, um, probably more than one. Um, I know I have more than that one, where people who have said things and we just can't quite get them out of our head, um, out of our heart. They have marked us in ways that we wish they wouldn't have. Um, maybe it's by... Um, co-workers or a boss. Maybe it's by family members or friends or former friends. Um, maybe it's by someone who you don't want to have had that much power or influence in your life, and yet they do, because you just can't quite get over it. Um, that we know that the, the tongue, that speech is powerful, and that it can mark us, and, and we can remember those things deeply. Um, the second story is, is just from this week. Um, as we walk through this strange time that we're in with COVID-19, the quarantine, trying to figure out what to do. The fact is, is, is we as a people are probably just a little more stressed and on edge than we, than we typically are as we think about um, our family's uh, financial situation, as we consider um, big decisions that we need to make, health, um, safety, security, all these type of things. And whether we know it or not, we're probably a little bit more on edge. I know I have been, I mean, as much as I would like to tell you that I'm not, um, there are days where I am. and. And I've taken it out on my kids through being a little shorter and a little louder um, and and, and talking to them in ways that would typically not mark um, our interactions um, and having the need to apologize and and ask them for forgiveness um, more than I would care to. You know, really, I think the quarantine has has shown me how much I want to appreciate God for being slow to anger. Um, The fact that we are Um, sinners who who go to that well often in sin, and yet He is gracious and kind um, to forgive us and to welcome us back. Um, I've I've grown in my appreciation of that characteristic and attribute of God. Um, And so I I think as we enter um, our time this morning looking at the tongue and speech and Proverbs, that we can all have stories and remembrances of being wounded, um, that we've all also wounded. And maybe those aren't equal, and maybe one of those looms larger in your life, but that we have all been a part of both sides of this. And so what I want us to do is is really just to begin by looking at at both the good and the bad um, when it comes to speech and Proverbs, um, and, and seeing kind of how it lays out these two different tracks that we can be on, that we want to be on the track of the wise and not of the fool. And so, um, where we're going to start is with the benefits, um, the good of the tongue of speech in Proverbs. Um, is first is just that God speaks. Like we we always want to start with Him, that He spoke creation into being. Right, that He speaks and things exist. Um, that He has spoken to us through His Word. That it is God breathed and given for our good and benefit. That we have everything we need for life and godliness from him, and that he gave us his son, Jesus, who is known as the word, right? It's it's the word embodied. It's the word in flesh, Emmanuel coming to live among us, that God has spoken the good news of the gospel, that he sees us in our need, and that he has made a way to rescue us, to redeem us, that Jesus has lived the life that we were meant to, has died the death that we definitely deserved, and has beaten our enemy's sin, Satan, and death, and has called us back into relationship with the Father through this exchange of Him taking our sin-stained, rebellious nature and giving us His holiness and righteousness in exchange that we can be back with our Father, right? That He has spoken these things to us. And so we, we know that the tongue and speech are a positive and a good thing. It's also good because He's just given us the ability to communicate with one another, to use words to to let people know that they are seen and recognized, that they're understood, um, that they're known, and that words can be used to benefit others. And so I want us just to read a couple verses. The first would be Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Right? Like just this idea that the mouth, the, the lips, the words of the righteous can feed many with encouragement. We're going to look a little more at this in just a moment. Um, if we turn to Proverbs 20, verse 15, there is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel, right? Just this idea that there are things um, more valuable than, than earthly riches. We've seen that wisdom is one of those things, and the Proverbs would tell us also that the, the mouth, the words, the lips of knowledge, right? These who are walking in wisdom after God are a precious jewel. And then if we turn over to Proverbs 23, verse 16, um, we we see um, the, the one writing the Proverbs, kind of talking to his son here. We see in verse 15, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. So we just get this vision of of one talking to a, a young man and saying, listen, when you speak well, when you speak right, I want you to know that it brings joy and and um exulting in my spirit, in my soul to hear you use your words well. So the question is, is how do we how do we do that? How do we speak well? How do we speak in a way that would make a father want to exult? And one of those is that we can speak Life right now, we don't have the ability to speak things into existence like God does. That is a divine characteristic But that we can speak life and hope that we can speak good news and joy into situations and into people's lives. We'll turn back to chapter 10 and read just a couple more Proverbs. This is verse 11 out of chapter 10. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Right? Just this idea that the one who is wise, who is trusting Jesus, who is falling after him, his mouth is a fountain of life, that when he speaks that, that people feel um, rejoicing, they, they feel um, satisfaction in their soul and in their bones, that the words are sweet and they taste good, and they bring about life. Again, over to chapter 15, verse seven. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools, right? That, that the wise are going to speak knowledge. They're going to speak the things that they know, the things that they've learned about the character and, and, and nature and attributes of God that will bring life to those who are hearing it, right? Is that we speak the gospel. It's not just that it's on display because it is, but it's also spoken that people need to hear the word of God and the hope that has been given to us through The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If we turn over to Proverbs 18, beginning in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit, right? Reminding us that there really are two paths laid before us that we can speak death, right? I mean, we're going to look more at this in just a moment as we kind of look at the sin that comes from the tongue, or we can speak life from the tongue, right, that our speech can bring about either of these two paths before us. And then one final one here. This is verse 23 of chapter 21. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble, right? Just a really practical one here that one of the ways that we speak life um, is that we avoid trouble by watching what it is that we say and what it is that we speak into others, So what does it look like to speak life? Right, kind of this broad topic here. And I want us to look at three specific ways that we can speak life. And the first, I know we're hitting a lot of Proverbs here to begin, is verse 18 of chapter 12. That we can speak life by being encouragers. Right, this is, um, this says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I said um, that we're, going to talk about encouragement. Um, I actually, we're going to look at that one in just a second. The first way that we can speak life is we can bring healing, right? And let's read verse 18 again. The tongue of the wise brings healing. So how do we speak life? How do we bring healing, right? We do this through reconciliation, right? Often this comes through um, an apology, to be quite honest, that one of the hardest things for us to do is want to, uh, to admit wrong, um, and yet when we do, when we say the words, I'm sorry, and here's how I've hurt you, and here's how I've wronged you, right, that it begins to dissipate ill will and, and harsh feelings, um, strife that has been born and, and is, is welling up that wants to separate relationships, that it begins to bring peace back into it. It brings hope and peace and reconciliation. We can do this sometimes even if we're not the one who has been wronged or has wronged, but by bringing two friends or two Co workers together looking to speak life and healing with, with wisdom, that there would be peace and reconciliation. Um, there's a danger that we have in wanting to assume, especially in close relationships, they know I'm sorry. Right? Like, I don't have to say it, they know it. I'll show them by not acting like that anymore. And listen, deeds definitely need to follow our words, so we need to have both. But when we leave things unsaid, Dark things can grow in those dark places, those voids where we're not sure can we trust them. Is this a safe place at all? Right, That our pride begins to be affected either in our unwillingness to apologize or maybe our pride is affected because we're not sure that we can believe the one who has not apologized to us. Right, And so one of the ways that we want to speak life, church, is that we want to be a people who bring healing, um, who are quick to apologize, who are quick to seek reconciliation and to see things made right, um, whether that is blatant sin or whether that's been a misunderstanding that just needs to be rectified quickly. A second way that we can speak life is that we want to be encouragers. Also in chapter 12, but verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Right? This, this idea that anxiety can, can crush us, right? And yet a good word can bring healing, can bring hope, can bring peace, can bring encouragement. If you turn over to chapter 16, verse 24, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body, right? Just this idea of encouraging words that just rejuvenate our spirit and our soul, right? These ideas of healing and encouragement really kind of coincide with one another. And I think about so many of you I could literally go down as, as I look at empty seats and think about where you typically sit, um, and think about the, the specific ways that you've encouraged me or my family. Um, literally, I could think about something for almost everyone in the room. Um, but just a, a couple of examples of what this looks like. Um, before Redeemer was ever even planted, we were, it was just kind of a dream. I remember sitting in a pickup truck with Rex McKay um, in an empty parking lot on a cold December night, um, doubting whether or not I could do this, doubting whether God was calling me to this, and, and Rex looking at me that night and just saying, um, you can do this. <laughs> and, and and my thought, my fear was, I don't know that anyone older than me would ever follow. I, I knew I was a young man, and that maybe peers and folks younger than me, but why would anyone that was older than me? And Rex, this, this godly, respected man, looked at me and said, you're already my pastor. Um, right, that those words were encouragement. They were gracious words that were satisfying to my soul, not because it was flattery, but because I needed healing. I needed encouragement. I needed kind of this push that this, this could happen. Um, I think of Twyla, um, who has in, sent me so many texts, and as we've been on Zoom calls, prayer calls, who's just constantly looking to encourage me um, with the decisions that are needed to be made, that she is um, praying for me, um, and so many of you have done that. Um, I think of um, Jenny Brown and, and her late husband, Jerry, who have just been a constant source of encouragement to me over the last several years, um, who sat down um, when I was um, shocked that they had walked in to just say, hey, we are, we're glad to be here, we're glad to be a part of what the Lord's doing at Redeemer, and then we're able to just speak specific words of encouragement. Right, church, we know that we, we need this. We want to be a people who outdo one another, as Paul would say in Romans, in showing honor and encouragement. And a third way is not just that we speak life by bringing healing, um, but by bringing encouragement. The third would be this, is that we can just let people know that they're seen, um, that they're known, that they're understood. This is in Proverbs 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And then if we look down at verse 23 in Proverbs 15, to make an apt answer, right, an appropriate answer is a joy to a man and a word in season how good it is, right, knowing the right thing to say in the right moment in the right time that someone needs to hear it. Some of you have had maybe similar encouragement at different times in your life, but there was one season in particular where you needed that word. And even though others have said it since and others had said it before, it was the right time and the right place. It ministered to your soul that you, were, you felt seen, that you felt known, that you felt understood, that you were loved and cared for. Um, church, we have a high priest, as Hebrews would, would say, who understands who's walked, who's been tempted, who has faced betrayal and rejection, um, who gets it, who understands what we can go to, but also that he has given us his, his church, his people who see us and know us. Um, years ago, I was um, serving in another church and was going through a difficult season. Um, there was some, some strife and just some difficulty, and there was a woman um, named Karen in the church who one Sunday just pulled me aside and never spoke about this to me, never spoke to me about it again. But I just remember she looked at me and she said, I, I can see what's going on. Um, and know I love you, and I, I'm grateful for the way you're handling yourself, and I just want to encourage you. And, and there was so much more she could have said, but she said enough that I just felt like I was, I was understood. Now listen, it didn't change the circumstances at all. Um, it didn't make the obstacles I was facing any, any different, <laughs> except that I was, I was glad to continue to push forward for health and healing, um, for reconciliation, because I felt like someone else was in my corner. That, that when we have these things that we're facing and someone else just sees us and, and recognizes it and is able to encourage, to bring hope or healing in that, maybe it doesn't change the difficulty of what we're facing. We just don't feel alone in it anymore, right? It's, that it's a tangible reminder that Jesus is with us, that he's for us, that he has never left us nor forsaken us. Um, church, that we would be people who would speak life, that we would speak healing, encouragement, and that people are known and understood and loved. Now listen, that, this is the, the positive path, right? The, the, the path of the righteous and the wise. But there's another path that the tongue, um, that our speech can take, and that's the path of, of the wicked or the fool. So let's, let's look at a couple passages here. Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. Right? Now I want you to think about swords for a moment, right? Swords are not um, a pleasant way um, to deal with someone, right? The p- swords tend to leave a lot of blood. Um, it's, it's vicious, it's violent, it's brutal. I mean, it, it's typically not clean. Um, when you think about James talking about the tongue and speech setting um, the forest afire, and we have been, we're in a place that has seen dramatic, horrific grass fires, and the devastation that it can bring, that the tongue would be used to, to be talked about as a fire and his sword thrust with our words, it's meant to leave this kind of violent, bloody, messy imagery that it's not clean and nice. And those of you who have been hurt by others' words, right, you know this. It's not a clean, I'm gonna put a band aid on it and be done. It is a jagged opening, a ragged wound that, that hurts and is, and, is, and is visible, and you're wondering if you're gonna recover from it. Right, that the, the sword thrust and the fire of the tongue are a dangerous thing. And it's why it's easier for us, as broken as this is, to remember the hard things that have been said to us or about us, even if they weren't true, than it is to remember the good and right and true encouraging things that people have said. That we need far more of those to outweigh one negative, um, where one negative can just absolutely obliterate us. And so if we turn to Proverbs 4, 24, Says this, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Right? He's just writing again to, to the young people who are looking to walk in wisdom. He says, put away from you crooked speech. So, what is, what is crooked speech? Right? There are so many ways that we can take the tongue, we can take speech and sin with it. The first being gossip. The first crooked speech is gossip. Listen to just a couple of verses um, Proverbs 16. 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. If you turn over one chapter to verse 7 of chapter 17, fine speech is not becoming to a fool, still less is false speech Um, to a prince. I think I wrote down the wrong one there, but we're going to keep going. Uh, Verse 8 of chapter 18. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So I want you to notice in, verse, in chapter 16 and verse 18. Sorry, chapter 18. In chapter 16, what we're told right, is that, that gossip can just divide close friends. Right? That, it's, that it's wicked and it's evil. Chapter 18 tells us that it actually tastes good. Right? That it's one of those things that we kind of like hearing the gossip. We don't mind it so much. And that gossip is this destructive thing. Um, if we were going to define gossip, Greg Laurie says that um, gossip is saying behind someone's back something that you would never say to them, right? That you would never say it to them, but you would gladly say it behind them, right? That you're you're not looking to bring about reconciliation. You're not looking to bring about a constructive conversation, you're not talking to God about them as much as you're talking to others about them, that you're looking to um, wound them, and you're looking to affect the way that others would view or think about them, right, that it's this wicked thing, and yet, if we're honest, we don't really often view gossip as a big deal, right, we would think of something um, like adultery or, or drunkenness as these bigger sins that would have bigger consequences and outcomes, and yet, um, Ray Orland would say that, that you very rarely would see adultery, right, devastate a church across the board, although it would have a, a, an impact in a small area. But gossip can absolutely disunify and bring destruction and devastation in a church, leading to church splits um, and, and, and massive issues, right, because it breeds distrust Breeds disunity. I'm not sure what people are saying about me. I don't know if it's true. I feel the need to defend myself. That it, that it, it brings destruction. Listen to verse 4 of chapter 17. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Right? This idea that it's not just the one who is spreading the gossip. That's evil, but it's the one who's willing to listen to it. Right? Just what a dangerous place to be that we would entertain gossip. Now listen, we could we could spend the rest of our time on that, of of what it looks like to have constructive conversation that leads to to hard conversations that would bring about um, healing and reconciliation versus that that is simply looking to share stuff that we know um, with no desire to see anything changed or anything done. Right? And when we listen to that, when we give ear to that, that we are letting Disunity um, creep in, that we are sinning even in just listening to it. A second way of crooked speech is not just gossip, but it's flattery. If you turn to chapter 26 of Proverbs, in verse 28, "A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin, that it works ruin." Verse 23 of chapter 28 whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue, right? Saying that the one who's willing to say the hard thing will find more favor than the one who's willing to lie and flatter in the moment. And then verse 5 of chapter 29, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet, right? That he's laying a trap before him. And so flattery is is almost the opposite of gossip, where, where gossip was what you... It's saying to someone else what you would never say to the person you're talking about. Flattery is saying to a person, an individual, to their face what you would never actually communicate to anyone else, right? This is also from Greg Laurie, right? That you're, I'm willing to say it to you, but I don't mean it because I would never tell anyone else I think those things of you. That I'm using it to, to manipulate you. I'm using it potentially to mock you. I'm using it to use you, Right? to get something for myself, so I'll tell you what you want to hear, and yet I'm laying a trap for you to be destroyed. Um, and ultimately, you would have preferred a rebuke from me than you would these words that are not meaningful at all. Another crooked speech that we'll see are lies, right? We see this in Proverbs 12:23. Simple. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Those who act faithfully are his delight. Just this idea that a lie is an abomination to God. It's hated. It's, it, why? Because our enemy, the devil, is the father of all lies. It, it's, not, it, it's not seeking truth. It's not seeking reconciliation. It's looking to deceive and to bring about trouble. Right? It, it, it's a sin that looks to discredit, to move people away from the truth. If we look in chapter 11, verse 13, we see a fourth crooked speech. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Right? That we can slander, right? Where we're talking about someone, where we're sharing secrets, true or untrue, looking to discredit them, to harm them, to wound them, looking to in- influence how others view them. And then a fifth is careless words. If we look at Proverbs 26. So we've seen gossip, we've seen. Um, Flattery, lies, slander, and now careless words. Look at verse 18 of chapter 26. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. Right. This section is kind of giving us both sides of this. I remember when I was doing student ministry, um, often you would hear junior hires, um, sometimes high schoolers, um, absolutely just roasting, um, humiliating a friend, saying atrocious things. And at the last second, right before they're going to burst into tears or s- take a, a swing at them, they would say, just joking. Right? Like that, that fixed everything, that that changed what was just said, because now that I said I'm just joking, it doesn't matter anymore that I said these horrible, hateful things to you. Um, Right, that we might look at someone and say, don't be so serious, I was just kidding. And yet Proverbs 26 is going to say, listen, you're crazy if you're throwing firebrands and arrows and death and deceives your neighbor, and then say, I'm only kidding, I'm only joking. Right, that those careless words can be wounds that are not quickly forgotten. They're not quickly moved beyond that wound and scar an individual. And so crooked speech is gossip, it's flattery, it's lies, it's slander, it's careless words. It could also be um, deceit, half-truths, jokes, racism, taking the Lord's name in vain, hypocrisy, right, which is using our religious behavior to cover up our sin. Maybe it's using our personality, our temperament, um, our right to free speech, the fact that it's actually true to wound and to hurt people, to leave this mess And carnage of wreckage behind us. Church, the church is meant to be a safe place, and a safe place is where I'm not concerned about what people are saying behind my back, what they're saying about me, that I know that truth is going to happen, right? That if that if hard things need to be said, they're going to be seasoned with with grace and, and gracious words. That the church could be a place that is a refuge because the world is a hard place where people are saying hard and difficult things and are being cruel. Right? That we see this online all the time, that, that the Proverbs, right, would, would tell us how we respond um, in comments, um, whether it's Facebook or Twitter um, or blog posts, that, that those, are we seeing the person as an individual, or are we looking to destroy them with our comments and our words, right? The, the, the way we handle ourselves in the digital age um, through apps and different things are going to matter. Is, are we seeing our words as speaking life or speaking death? To bring encouragement and healing and hope, or destruction, right laying traps for people. Like, is the church a safe place for us to find healing, to hear what it is that God would say or think about us, and not just the way that we have been wounded by others? And so, listen to just a couple more proverbs as we look at some of the consequences of speech that goes awry. Proverbs thirteen three. Whoever guards his mouth preserves life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. If you turn over one chapter to chapter 14, verse 3. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Just saying, listen, the fool's mouth, um, he talks too much. He's often going to have consequences of beating. Look at verse 2 of chapter 15. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly, right? Just constant foolishness pouring out of their mouth. Then one final one. I just love the straight um, to the heart of this. Verse six, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Right, just this idea that a fool talks too much and his mouth invites a beating, that there are consequences for the way that we talk to or about people. All right, so we've looked at the, the, the righteous, good path, the, the bad, sinful, foolish path. Why? Why does our speech matter so much? Why would the Proverbs spend so much time? We haven't even looked um, at, at, at a, probably even half of the, the Proverbs that speak about the tongue. Why? Church, we we talk about it because our mouth, our speech, actually reveals our heart. Listen to what Matthew would say, chapter 12, verse 33, as he quotes Jesus. "'Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil?' Listen, church, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak, right? That the the stakes are high, that we will give an account for these words that we speak. And he's saying that our, our mouth, what we say is an overflow of our heart. And so it's revealing what's going on in our heart, whether we are speaking life or death, whether we have crooked speech or healing, encouraging speech. In, in chapter 15 of Matthew, beginning in verse 18, Jesus again is speaking to the disciples, explaining a parable. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. He's telling them, listen, what you eat isn't what defiles you. It's, it comes from your heart. Verse 19... For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So he's saying, listen, the way that you are talking, the way that you're speaking, reveals what's going on in your heart. That we It reveals that we have a need, (laughs) that we lack self-control, that we're not able to bridle our tongue, as James would say. Um, that we don't have the self-control that we need, that we need rescue, we need the Spirit, we need the fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control, that we would need the Spirit to guide us as we are transformed into the image of Jesus. And so some rules here, um, some ideas for how we can begin to see our speech um, more honor God quickly. We want to be slow to speak. You can look at Proverbs 15, 28 for that. We want to listen first. This is Proverbs 18, 13. Listen, that, we, that we listen before we talk. That we're slow to speak. Even if we end up agreeing to disagree, that we are gracious in that. and That we want to guard our mouth. Proverbs 13, 3. That we want to pursue Jesus and His Word. Right. If, if out of the overflow of our heart the mouth speaks, then we want what's coming in to be the Word of God. We want it to be the, the image and the reflection of Jesus flowing out of us, right, that Jesus had no wasted words. Then in John 7, we see that they said no one speaks like him. Church, that when you go to him, you're safe. Even if he has hard things to say to you, it's meant for restoration, for salvation, for transformation, that it's meant for repentance and to to make us look more like him, that there's no sin in his words, that there's safety in them, that he had no careless words, no jokes that went too far. Right, that out of his mouth was, was perfection in his words and no sin, that they're true and they're gracious, that we would long to look more like him, that we would reflect his character and not the character um, of our enemy, the father of lies, as we have crooked speech that looks to destroy, to defend ourselves, um, to justify ourselves and our behavior while hurting others. And so we begin to see this standard this is Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. Paul writes, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then Ephesians 4, Let no uh, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Right, the church that we want to to have an answer for those who ask. that We want to be able to speak with grace and with kindness, with no corrupting speech. And we know that we can't control our tongue apart from the Spirit of God transforming us, apart from Jesus rescuing and saving us, that we would reflect His image to those around us. And one final way that we can do this is that we can take His example. That when, he, when, when wrong, hateful, hurtful things were said about Him, when lies were said about Him, that He did not revile in return. This is 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He bore himself our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Church, that we don't have to correct every word. We don't have to defend ourselves, we don't have to revile in return, that we can reflect the image of our God and Savior who has rescued us, who has made us His, and who has given us an example, knowing that He is the vindicator, right? That He, um, he sees and knows the truth, and that He can heal those scarred and broken parts of our heart. So church, two things as we end. One, if you have these scarred, broken areas that you would ask for healing, knowing that Jesus sees and he understands that he's faced it, that he will bring healing to you. And in that, that you would ask him, Jesus, how do you see me? So maybe a good exercise this week would be to just to write through some scriptures, some things that you know, it's how does God see me? What does he think about me? What does he say about me? And as you think of scripture, as he encourages you with this, that you would share it with others, that you would be an encouragement and a life giver in that. The second is this, that you would ask others, maybe someone close to you, a friend, a coworker, maybe um, a spouse, a child, a parent, a good friend, what, what does my mouth say about me? Right, like, What does my speech, my tongue say about me? And, and let them speak without feeling like you have to defend yourself. Apologize if necessary, repent if necessary. The church that we would be a people who would glorify God with our mouth. that our tongue would be pleasing to Him as it would honor Him, that we would trust Him for our healing, that we would repent where we have failed, knowing that what we need is the rescue of Jesus, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that we want to walk reflecting Him. Church, let's pray. Father, we come to You this morning knowing that our tongue um, can often be out of control. Um, God, we are asking you for wisdom, to know when to speak, um, even hard things graciously. Um, God, to give us strength to to listen first and to to speak slowly. God, we're asking for healing for those wounded areas, um, God, that maybe we're afraid to even look at because we're afraid of, of what it does to our psyche or our spirit. God, that we would not be quick to make excuses, that we'd be willing to repent That your spirit would would shine um, your light, your searching light in our hearts and our minds to to places where we are not pleasing you, we're not honoring you, and that we need to repent of it. And God, for those who would right now think, I have no way of having control, I I can't even begin to imagine it, God, that, that maybe it is that they don't have your spirit, and that even in this moment, you would be calling them to faith and belief in you, that you can not only bring healing for where they've been hurt. But that you can bring salvation because they have rebelled against you, that they would trust you, that you are safe and good. Father, would Redeemer be a safe place? Um, God, would you protect us from crooked speech that would sow distrust, disunity, and discord? Jesus, we need you. We ask you to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen.